The following message is from Ascension Church of Phoenix, your home in the heart of the city. For more information, please visit us online at ascensionphx.org or join us for worship on Sunday. Your reading this morning is taken from Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, and then Acts chapter 4, verses 5 through 13. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the temple that is called, or sorry, at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, entering the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And then in Acts chapter 4, verse 5, on the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, By him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is no, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we're continuing in our study in the book of Acts, um, picking up the pace just a little bit now, so we're not in it for years and years, which would be easy to do. But we come now to this healing, the signs and wonders that the apostles have been doing, we've we've read about, but here is one of the signs and wonders that they perform and they do so, this, this work, in the name of Jesus. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Let's pray and ask for God's help. We do not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And we come in, Father, this morning hungry. Some of us may be not even aware of how hungry we are, but hungry for the truth. 
And we pray that by your spirit, you would give it to us. You would provide that. You would fill us. You would satisfy us as with a banquet to see your truth, to delight in it, and then to come at your table as your people. Fill us with yourself. Satisfy us, Lord, we pray with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So names have power. We know this to be the case. If someone were to shout out my name, Gray Ewing, or Gray, right now, my head would turn towards you. That it has that kind of power to say a name. Names can be dropped. We call that, you know, name dropping in a conversation. Uh, that can change the nature of the conversation. You could realize that you're with someone maybe that is a little more important than you thought before, and it changes things. A name has that kind of power. Name recognition uh, can, can change the political scene. When names are recognized, they can open doors. You can make business deals with and on names. Names have a power. But most names, most of the names that are in this room will be lost to the sands of history. Be lost in time. So names, they have a power, but they have a short and usually a limited power. All names have a limited power to some extent, but many of us have names that will be short-lived and will not last much beyond our lifetime. You know, when I was in high school, I ran uh, for the, the president, the co-president of the student body. Uh, you might not have known that about me. Uh, now you can be impressed a little bit more because uh, we did win. I was co-president uh, with this girl named Megan McCraney, and we, we ran this campaign to, uh, to be elected. And I went to a fairly large high school, and so I recognized that though I, I knew quite a number of people in my grade, there was going to be people that were voting on the student body president who I didn't know, and so I pulled off what I thought was an amazing marketing stunt. I printed about 500 flyers, um, and there was no rules about how many you could put up, so we, we put up like hundreds of these all over the school, we spent hours. They were um, bright green and highlighter yellow and hot pink in color, and they said, vote for Gray Ewing and Megan McCraney for student body co-president. And we, we spent hours putting up there. But here's the stunt part. Um, I recognized that a lot of people wouldn't recognize my name, and so what I did for a week or two is I put a big sign on myself, and I said, I am, this is what the sign said, Gray Ewing. So that as we walked down the aisle, you know, we walked to our classes or whatever, people would see, why is that guy wearing a sign? You know, and then they would see one of my hot pink flyers. It's they connect, right? This is Gray Ewing. Well, we won. And for a while, I attributed my success to my marketing stunt, but a couple of people, kind of unkindly, reminded me that I was running with Megan McCraney. <laughs> who happened to be one of the most popular girls in the school. <laughs> so maybe it wasn't my name after all. And all of that, of course, matters a lot in life right now, uh, that I was the co-president of the student body. That matters a ton for my day-to-day -day life now, as you can imagine, that my name was out there. Names, they do. They have that kind of power. They can do things 
but usually their power is brief and limited. That was a joke before. It doesn't matter at all to my life now, okay? It was very limited that, that time when people knew my name in that setting. Names have power, but it's a brief and a limited power, except for one name. The Bible says there is one name that is above every other name. Philippians chapter 2 says, at the name of Jesus, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess the glory of God the Father, this Son of God, this Jesus Christ. His name is above every name. His name never loses power. And it's a challenge to us because we spend so much of our time on names, either cultivating our own name. Some of us are tempted by that. Some of us want to be known. We want maybe to be famous. We want to be an influencer. And maybe we don't want to be super famous. Maybe we just want to be well known and well appreciated. And so we cultivate a name and we spend time doing that. And we spend also time protecting our names. How much of our energy is spent making sure that people know that the name that's attached to us is of a certain quality and is, never does anything wrong, and so we protect our names. And if that fails, cultivating and protecting our own name, perhaps we spend a lot of time following the names of the age. The names of pop icons, Swift, Kelsey, matter a ton to us. Maybe it's not pop culture. Maybe it's politics for us and, and the heroes and the vil villains and the names that we associated with those heroes and vil villains are what we spend a lot of time reading about and thinking about. Maybe it's the names of business leaders of Bezos and Elon Musk, and we, we follow the names of the age and all three of these things, cultivating our own name or protecting our own name or spending undue time following the names of the age can distract us and for, make us forget that all of history and all of culture and all of reality is bending towards this one moment that I just read from Philippians 2, where there is one name above all the rest. The story in the book of Acts today is about the name of Jesus. This man is healed in the name of Jesus. And when Peter and John go before the council, they are talking about the name of Jesus. Because this name never loses its power. This name does things. What does it do? What does the name of Jesus do? Three things I want us to see today. The first one is this. The name of Jesus, it gives spiritual ability. Spiritual ability. That's what it gives. This is the story of the beggar at the beautiful gate, a man who is born lame. Peter and John go into the temple to pray at the ninth hour, actually the same hour when Jesus was crucified. That's the hour of prayer. And they go in through the beautiful gate, the gate that is called beautiful. We think we know what this gate was. The historian Josephus talks about it. It was 
this gate covered in bronze, about 75 feet high, 60 feet wide, a big entrance into the temple, not the only entrance into the temple area, but a big thoroughfare, a, a good place for begging. And so this man who was born lame comes in and greets people as they're going into worship, a good time to ask people for money. Peter and John go in to pray, and they see this man, and they exchange looks. Look at verse 3. This is beautiful how it says it. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked, that's the beggar, asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. They exchange glances. This lets me know that not much has changed in the world of begging. How often is eye contact a part when you're giving someone a gift or when you're giving someone who is begging for it? Sometimes we avoid eye contact with those who are on the side of the road, don't we? Because we know that if there's eye contact, there might be an intent to give. But Peter and John offer that intent freely, and they say, look at us. They're ready to give, but they're ready to give something that this beggar is not expecting. When they look at him, they say this, and the old King James famously says, silver and gold have I none. I don't have silver and I don't have gold, and the man's face must have dropped, at least for a moment. But he is giving something. Look at verse 6. Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. I don't have silver and gold, but I do have a name, and that name I give you. What does the name do for this man? It gives him spiritual ability. What does that mean? Two things. First, healing. He's healed. And we get these details from Luke, who was a physician, when it says his, his ankles. What does it say here? Um, his feet and his ankles, literally his feet bones and his ankle bones. Luke is describing the medical terms here. He's saying something happened in his body. He was strengthened. He knows this healing process, and Luke is a learned man. He knows that this doesn't happen every day. He doesn't, he's not gullible. He doesn't believe that this kind of thing just happens because he lived in the ancient world. He knows that this is miraculous. There is a healing here. And what does that healing mean? It means that the ministry of Jesus is continuing. You notice what the man does with his new strength in verse 8. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. The word leaping there is a, is a continuation of Jesus' ministry. It, that's what the Messiah came to do. Isaiah told us this in Isaiah 35. It says that when the, when the Messiah comes, the lame will leap like the deer, and the blind will see. And so, as we've been saying, this is the continuation of Jesus' power. Acts chapter 1 says that this is all that Jesus did and, and, uh, and taught from the beginning until his ascension. And then Luke picks up the story of Acts and says, well, this is what Jesus is doing after his ascension. After his ascension, through his apostles, he is still 
bringing the kingdom of God, bringing healing. And by the way, the name of Jesus still can and does bring healing. When we pray for those who are sick, when we pray for those who are hurt, when we pray for those who are ill in some kind of way, we ought to pray in the healing and powerful name of Jesus. There is power there. We are not apostles. We don't command the name of Christ with the commission, the same commission that they had from Jesus. But still, God is pleased to use the name of Jesus still to bring healing. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's not just a healing. And even the apostles themselves, this was a fairly rare event. We're going to see several healings in the book of Acts. But they didn't go around healing people all the time. And when you think about it, neither did Jesus. He healed at certain times. And and John, the apostle, calls those healings signs. What he means by that is that they were pointing towards something. And the same is true here. He wants to heal the body, but there's something else going on here. It's not just about making this man be able to walk. Otherwise, the apostles and Jesus himself would have just opened a medical clinic 24-7. Let's just touch as many people as possible, and then they will all be healed. But he didn't do that because he came not just to deal with this body that is broken, but with the root spiritual condition. That's the second ability that it gives. He gives healing, yes, but he also gives faith. Faith is another ability given to this man through the name of Jesus. The passage is just too long to read in its entirety today. We didn't read this portion, but let me point it out to you now. And in the middle section between the two passages that we read, here is what Peter says in his little sermon about this man and what happened. He said, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Do you see what he says? This is Acts 3, 16. His name has given this man faith. It's not just the healing, it's the faith. The man didn't have the faith. Not at first. He's looking for money. He's looking for survival. He's looking for the next meal, and we don't blame him for that. But the moment that Peter grabbed him, something flooded into him, and it wasn't just the physical strength in his ankles and his feet. It was that he was healed, but he was also given faith to believe in a name. This is what Jesus came to do, to give Faith. faith is not something that we generate. It's not something that we have on our own. We are the lame beggar sitting on the side, only wanting what's the next meal. But God gives us the faith to know what it is we truly need. We need faith from him. Jesus gives us something that no one else can give by his name. He gives us more than the world provides. When you think about it, what we want is the silver and the gold. We want the next meal. We want the comfort. We want the extra time. And if we have those things, nothing wrong with those things, but when we have those things, we will need again. You think about what is it that you beg for? What do you beg for? 
You beg for approval. You just want a little silver and gold of people's approval. You want a, a better house. You want a better living situation. You want to have um, the exact lifestyle that you want. You want a better job. What is it that you want? What is it that you beg for? We can live this way. We can live like the beggar. We can think, if I could just get a little more of this thing, then it will be enough. But whatever amount we receive will be spent. It is not enough. You'll be coming back for more. Nothing wrong with asking for things. It's the asking for things and believing that they're enough without the faith in Christ. But faith in God is an unending source. It's what Jesus said when he ministered. He said to the woman at the well, right? If you draw from this well, you'll have to come back again. But if you come and drink of the living water, the water that I'm giving you, the water myself, then you will never thirst again. And so at the moment when he gives the man strength, he also gives him faith, which is far more valuable because it lasts forever. He gives him the name of Jesus. And the name of Jesus doesn't just meet a need of a broken person. It certainly does that. But it heals the brokenness within through faith. So the name of Jesus gives spiritual ability. But secondly, let's look at this this morning. It gives exclusive salvation. It gives exclusive salvation. The story moves on from here. Peter and John are arrested by the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin council, gather together. These apostles of Jesus, Peter and John, are kept in prison overnight, and they have, they're called before a special council, the Sanhedrin, the spiritual leaders of the day. And they have to give an account of what's happened because what they've healed this man. And then, as you saw in the passage, a great crowd comes. There's a big stir. And Peter preaches. And he preaches to repent. And the leaders want to know what's going on. Do you notice their question? We're in chapter 4 now, verse 7. Their question is this. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name do you do this? By what power or what by name? Your own trial. Tell us where the source of your power is. Tell us what name you follow. And Peter takes the opportunity and he turns the tables and he puts them on trial. Look at verse 9 with me. If we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Peter says, see, if we're talking about an act of kindness done to a crippled man, I mean, who could be against that? You're not truly putting us on trial for doing a kindness, are you? That isn't a crime to do something kind for someone. But let me tell you, he says, what is a crime? It's killing Jesus. 
It's rejecting the cornerstone that the, the builders, you're the builders, he said. You rejected the chief cornerstone. You killed, you crucified the Lord of glory. We're not on trial here. We did what was God's will. You're on trial. And the irony is that these are big names. Their names are listed for us in verse 5. Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander. Big names. Annas, the high priest. Actually, he's, at this time, the retired high priest. And his son-in-law is Caiaphas. Caiaphas, who's the acting high priest. So you have the high priest emeritus, you could say, and the acting high priest. And you have John and Alexander. Big names, apparently. They're included in Scripture. We know next to nothing about them. John and Alexander, we know nothing about. Annas and Caiaphas, a little bit. They were the high priests. That's a footnote in history. But Peter is saying, you. And Luke is saying, by giving us these names, these big names, they think they stand in judgment. But they think that they're offering judgment and salvation. But Peter says, the tables are turned. We'll offer you salvation. Because salvation is found in only one name. Verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. One name gives salvation. The name of Jesus. That's what the name means. You remember in Matthew's gospel? He shall be called Jesus. For, why is he called Jesus? He will save his people from their sins. Salvation is in the name of Jesus. Literally, it's in the name. Jesus means to save. And salvation is found in him alone. In other words, Peter says, the name that has saved this man from his condition, this cripple, is the same name that is offered to everyone to save them from their condition. What is that condition? A sinner in need of grace. It doesn't matter what your name is. It doesn't matter what your position is. It doesn't matter if you are the high priest of God. If you reject Jesus... You reject salvation. It's found in nowhere else, in no one else. If you, but if you trust in the name of Jesus, then you receive salvation no matter who you are. You can just be a cripple. You can have nothing to offer. But if you receive his name, you will have salvation. It must be emphasized because the passage itself emphasizes this, that this salvation is exclusive. Notice the two negatives. Salvation is in no one else and no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. We believe that salvation is found only in Jesus. That's not a pride thing. That's not an arrogance thing. When we're talking about the issue of salvation and what truly saves, isn't it best to get the one that works? Do you really believe? Here's how we could say this to people when they say you're so arrogant to believe that Jesus is the only way. What do you really believe will give you salvation? 
Do you really believe that by being a good person, you'll be saved? Do you really believe that by, by building up a name for yourself, you will have salvation? What do you trust in? We trust in Jesus. It's not our name. It has nothing to do with us. It is outside of us. The salvation is what we run to away from our own perspectives and our own abilities. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the name of Jesus. Do you notice how Peter moves so easily from talking about the healing of the body to the crippled man to the healing of the soul and the salvation of the world? And you, you may wonder about that. That may seem kind of strange to you as we read about healings in the Bible, and then the preacher says, well, he healed this lame man, and then, and then you're saying, well, he can heal you of your sins. What's the connection? Um, why, why are you jumping to healing of sins? Well, because Peter does. This is what he's saying. This is what, why we did this. We healed him in the name of Jesus so that we could offer salvation to the world. And this is exactly what Jesus does. When he heals a man, do you remember, he also healed a crippled man in Mark's gospel. Mark tells us that Jesus healed this paralytic. And do you remember what he said to the paralytic as he was healing him? That you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. I say, arise and walk. He heals him, but he tells him while he's healing him that the authority he has ultimately is to save the soul, to save the lost person. What's wrong with the body is what's wrong with the world. They are connected, and Jesus comes, the name of Jesus comes to heal it all. Third and finally, the name of Jesus, it gives astonishing boldness. Astonishing boldness. Look at verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Every time that Peter and John invoke the name of Christ, they get a little bolder. Every time they think about this message of salvation that has been given to them, of which they were called witnesses to the ends of the earth, it makes them realize that this power is not to be limited in any way. It's to be spread as far as possible. It's a power to heal. It's a power to convict. It's a power to save. And they realize this is what their life is all about. They are transformed. They are unrecognizable. Literally, he says here, these are common men. And the, the Sadducees, are, they're taken aback. They're speaking back to the Sanhedrin, the most powerful council in Israel. And they're telling them about the resurrection. These are Sadducees. They don't believe in the resurrection. That's what the Sadducees, they were wealthy, elite, blue blood men who did not believe in the power of the resurrection, Jesus, that Jesus was raised or that they would one day be raised. They believed that this was it. And they're saying to them, to these great men, this is where salvation is. It's in the resurrection. And you just get the sense that Peter and John don't care. <laughs> they don't care about the consequences because they have been with Jesus. They don't care. When Christ's name 
gives spiritual, spiritual ability, faith. And then that faith leads to salvation, which it always does. It ought to produce a kind of boldness in the name of Jesus. What does this look like for us? We're not on trial this morning. We're not standing before the Sanhedrin. What does this look like for us? I think it looks like John the Baptist. Do you remember John the Baptist, the forebearer of Christ, when his disciples were leaving and going after Jesus? And somebody said, they're not following you anymore. They're they're now following Jesus. The name, John the Baptist, it's not carrying that same weight anymore. Now it's the name of Jesus. And what does John the Baptist say? He must increase and I must decrease. His name must keep getting bigger and bigger. My name must be diminished. We must decrease. That means our names in the grand scale of history are not that important. Cultivating a good name, a powerful name, a name that opens doors, a name that is recognized. These are not bad things but they are empty if it's what we pursue. Even if we succeed, history will take it and wash it away or reduce it or misunderstand it. The names of the world, the famous people, the influencers, they must decrease. It's not to say that we shouldn't read the news, shouldn't follow culture, But for the Christian, the volume on that dial should be turned down pretty low. Because at the end of the day, these names and what we obsess over and our own pursuit of our name will not lead to anything substantive. We decrease. He increases. That means the focus of our lives becomes more and more the name of Christ. We start going with the grain of history that Philippians 2 tells us. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Well, then the knee should bow now. (laughs) Why wait till the end of time? Why wait to say the name of Jesus? The words of our mouths, the meditations of our hearts should be Christ. The name of Christ should be dear to us. The name of Christ should be on our lips. The name of Christ should be in our conversations The name of Christ should be known to our neighbors. The name of Christ should be so big and real and increasing. The volume is turning up. You know, there is, I'll just say this in conclusion, a name that isn't isn't mentioned in the story. We know Peter and John. They're apostles of Jesus. We're given their historical record. Most of what we know is in the Bible about Peter and John. A little bit more. Some pages in history. We we could put together a little report on Peter and John. We could know some things about them. I've already mentioned Annas and Caiaphas. We know a little bit, just a very little bit, a paragraph in history about them. John and Alexander, we have no idea who they were. They've been lost. Even even with the Bible lasting this long, we know very little. But there is a name that we know 
Not at all. It's the lame beggar's name. The crippled. That's all we know about him. He is only identified as the one who is lame and the one who is healed. That's it. In the view of history, all he is is the one who was lame and the one who now walks, the one who was lost and is now found, the one who was unable and now given ability, the one who had no faith that his situation would improve, and the one now who had been given faith. Do you think that he cares right now one bit that we don't know his name? Of course he doesn't. Because God knows his name, and his name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and his name is known by the only one who matters. And he knows now, he knew then and he knows now more than ever that this story was not about him. He is content to be a footnote in history. And the only real substance to what this footnote is is to say, and Jesus did it. That's it. His whole existence summarized here in a few verses is that Jesus, the name of Jesus healed me. Life goals. Life goals. To be a footnote in history and yet for all of our life to now be summarized like this. It's all about the name of Jesus. It's all about what he has done, is doing, and will do when he comes again. It's all about him from now to eternity. His name is above every name. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening. To hear more sermons or to access more resources for your walk with Christ, please visit us at ascensionphx.org.